and welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for news on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us on the internet. Not in person. Well, we're in person. We are individually in our own locations. People, and thus in person, recorded live for you on the internet. Yes, so if the sound quality is weird or awkward, please let us know. I think we got to figure it out, but just in case... If you have any technical difficulties, one, they may be on your end. Two, if you think they're on our end, please email us at mediavotepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Yes, but like Mike said, this is all your news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. This is July the 3rd. We are actually recording this. This will go up July the 4th, your Independence Day holiday in the United States. Um, and this is episode 389, I believe. I think it was 389 last time. Oh. You sure? No. I'm not sure. That's why I'm checking. <laughs> this is 389. And, you, uh, no, this is 390. 390! 389. Okay, I'm a, yep. a, I'm a potentially an episode behind on the website then, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I need to double check that, that, that I got that. Well, I don't think I skipped a, a one, so... Hmm. Okay. Um. Anyway... So yeah, let's uh, get rolling as we always do into the show in the particular order. So why don't you get us started with yes. some music? Yes, we're going to get rolling. And as we mentioned in our last episode, this will be the new format kind of going forward, probably through the end of the year, where we're going to do Tuesday shows now. Yeah. But, you know, Tuesday is 4th of July, so yeah. you get a special Monday show. And we start yes. with the music section. We start yes. the music section with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And your hottest song in the land is Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Okay. Coming at two, Fast Car by Luke Combs, but not fast enough. Uh, three, Calm Down by Rima. And really, it's Selena Gomez. <laughs> Coming in at four, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Once again, sticking around, Song of the Summer. <laughs> and rounding out your top five, All My Life by Lil Durk featuring J. Cole. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same old, same old this week. I'm waiting for something to jazz up this list. Uh, maybe it next won't. week. It's, it's summer hits. No one's going to pop in here. Hey, Cruel Summer is now a single. Maybe it'll mm-hmm. hit next week. We'll see. We'll see. As for your albums chart, your, your Billboard 200 at number one. One more, one thing at a time. Once again, one more time by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at two, The World EP2, colon, Outlaw by Atiz. 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 Um, coming in at three, A Gift and a Curse by Gunna. Remember Gunna? He's back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, coming in at four, Midnight by Taylor Swift. She's still around. And rounding out your top five, SOS by SZA, also still around. Yep. Uh, if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. Starting with My Back Was a Bridge for You to Cross by 
Anohi? Anoni? Anoni? Anoni. Anoni. Uh, there's also Sunburn by Dominic Fike. The Greater Wings by Julie Byrne. Slugs of Love by Little Dragon. Great name, Little Dragon. <laughs> uh, Time Will Wait for No One by Local Natives. I, is that right? I yeah. Inside <laughs> the Old Year Dying. Hey, I didn't name it. By PJ Harvey. Uh, but get out of the way because it's TV time. Speak <laughs> now. Taylor's version coming out. Uh, that is, of course, releasing for the 13th? Well, 14th. The 9th. The 9th. Or sorry, the 7th. Oh, I'm all confused. Oh, yeah, 7-7, seven, seven, yeah. That's right, the 7-7 seven, seven release. Yes, so, yeah. it's uh, July 7th. Uh, Taylor's uh, version of Speak Now. Uh, we'll talk about it next week in full. I will be up at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock Eastern, on Thursday night listening to this thing. Because I need to know. I just need to know what these things sound like, what those vault tracks are, et cetera, et cetera. You need to hear the Taylor Swift and Paramore collab. Yeah, right? And the Fallout Boy one? Yeah. These could literally be anything. I. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. But we'll talk about that next week. So. Yes, but before we get to that, we have to talk about the news of the past week. So, uh, Material Girl herself, Madonna, is in the news uh, with her forthcoming celebration tour. Yeah, well, you might well, want to put off the celebration <laughs> for a second, and uh, yeah. Yes, apparently that tour has been postponed, according to an Instagram post from her manager, Guy Osery. The tour had been scheduled to launch in Vancouver on July 15th. Quote, on Saturday, June 24th, Madonna developed a serious bacterial infection, which led to a several-day stay in the ICU. Her health is improving. However, she is still under medical care. A full recovery is expected. At this time, we will need to pause all commitments, which include the, the tour. We will share more details with you as soon as we have them including a new start date for the tour and for rescheduled shows, close quote. So, Madonna, yeah. in the hospital, ICU um, bacterial infection. So, yeah, it seems like she's doing much better now. Uh, representatives have said that after that, you know, first kind of few hours of a scare, uh, she was alert, awake, and uh, communicating with her team. But yeah, when this first hit, a lot of people were very concerned. I mean, she's not, you know, uh, she's getting older and these kind of things happen to artists like legacy artists like Madonna. And yeah, it looked pretty dire. And so I think a lot of Madonna fans went on full alert and were ready for the worst. But um, yeah, the good news here is that this looks like this was a temporary thing, not permanent. Uh, she's getting better. And yeah, we'll maybe see news coming out soon that the, the tour will continue as planned but uh for now it's just a holding pattern and we you know we hope that she recovers mm -hmm. i mean she's up there too at age yeah she's getting there getting there so yeah um wish her all best speed recovery sounds like it's going good but yeah postponement of the tour celebration which 
you know, once she's uh, back and healthy, it is something to celebrate about. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to our second story then, and kind of a follow-up, I guess, from the rumors that we heard. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we talked about Olivia Rodrigo a couple weeks ago, and, well, turns out we were right on the money as she has revealed her sophomore title album, Guts. Guts. Do, 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 do you have it? Yeah. Do you do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Guts will be released on September 8th via Geffen Records. The news follows the announcement of the album's first single, Vampire, which was released on June 30th. Rodrigo's first album, Sour, earned the former Disney star three Grammys and went four times platinum, becoming the longest-running debut album of the 21st century in the Billboard 200 chart. Her Sour collaborator, Daniel Negro, Negro, uh, returned... Yeah, Return to produce Guts. Quote, for me, this album is about growing pains and trying to figure out who I am at this point in my life. I feel like I grew 10 years between the ages of 18 and 20. As we all do. <laughs> it was such an intense period of awkwardness and change. I think that's all just a natural part of growth, and hopefully the album reflects that. Yeah, uh, so we kind of had an inkling, like you said, that this was going to be the case after a big single launch. And sure enough, yeah, we have a date. We It's sooner than anybody probably imagined. Um, and yeah, and we were also blessed with that opening salvo. We got the single Vampire. Uh, did you listen to this? I did not listen to this. Oh, okay. As much as I'd love to... Um, hit pause pa- like pause this <laughs> and have you go listen to it i guess i'll have to take the lead here well as soon as this show is over i encourage you um to watch the video um it's a pretty neat video um it, uh, it i think they did a pretty good job with it but more importantly uh vampire is a banger it picks up where a lot of the songs from sour left off a lot of people describe kind of the beginning of it as like oh this kind of sounds like a ballad kind of like driver's license but olivia is on the record for saying i like songs that are dynamic and go places and sure enough that's exactly what vampire does it just launches off a cliff and there's some really interesting choices uh production wise happening on this thing uh yeah it's a good time i recommend you check it out after this after we're done because holy crap if this is an example of what this record is going to sound like this might be album of the year territory here. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's Sour okay. was. I think Sour was our album of the year, right? I believe it was. Yes, twenty twenty one. I mean, yeah. She's. This is, um, you know, an opportunity for her to grow beyond what Sour was, and Sour was already such a high bar to place for herself. Um, I imagine that Guts is going to just be even better. And uh, yeah, just goes to show you when you're like in the public eye and have all that pressure on you. You have to grow up fast. You have to like mm-hmm. adapt to your surroundings. You have to move quickly. Um, and I think that a lot of the themes on this record will reflect that. And I'm looking forward to see what she has to say. Um, I'm sure she will probably say more stuff about being a pop star on this album than the idol did in five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we're not talking about it. Did you uh, keep boy. watching the idol though? Hell no. <laughs> 
No, I bailed after episode one. I just heard it got worse and worse, and so it felt pretty vindicated. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but in the meantime, at least we have Olivia, and at least we have Guts. It seems like this uh, is a good start to the this album cycle, and I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Yeah. But I guess it does put the rumors of her putting out a sweet album to go with the sour album to rest, because it's been a couple of years. It's, I mean, it's too on the nose, right? Like, this is better. Yeah. Like, although it is four letters, as just like Sour is, and mm-hmm. all caps. So she does have a theme going, at least. So I assume her third album will just be titled Next? <laughs> Maybe. Deli. It's just her, like, chopping up some meat. <laughs> Let's see, we got Sour, Guts, and TBDT. <laughs> To be determined tomorrow. Yep. Thursday. TBDE, to be determined eventually. <laughs> All right. Anyway. anyway, something to look forward to on 9 8. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but did you listen to anything else? That's pretty much it. Um, I, well, I caught up with some stuff from the previous week. I listened to the Kelly Clarkson record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you were on, on right on with your uh, review of it. Better than I expected. I think that she can still write a really solid pop song. Um, is it something that I'm like rare and ready and rare to return to? Eh, maybe not, but I appreciate it. And it is probably the best thing she's done in a while. So, hey, congrats, Kelly. I think you uh, you nailed it. So, uh, but besides that, no, kind of a holding pattern until speak now. Okay. Uh, I did listen to that new uh, Jason Mraz album. <laughs> Okay. Uh, mystical, magical, uh, rhythmical, radical ride. Yes. Um, I'm not typing all of that. No, no, you don't have to. <laughs> and the reason I did put it here in the thoughts because I didn't realize I finished that album when I was listening to it. <laughs> Sounds about right. It was in the background. It kept going. I was waiting for something to jump out and catch me, but uh, it's very much that kind of like college vibe put it in the background put it up for like a house party and don't even think about it did it sound like a fedora it sounded a bit like matchbox 20 but not the good matchbox 20 i was gonna say i don't think he sounds like rob thomas but <laughs> Wait, is that the one i'm thinking of no maybe you're number 311 i forget 311 uh it, it was very um mellow and it wasn't that like memorable, clearly. Clearly, <laughs> it baffled you. Well, yeah, yeah, because I like I got to the end of it, I was like, "Wait, that was it?" <laughs> okay, cool. Who knows? Well, there you go. If you need to listen to some uh, the music equivalent to watching paint dry, Jason if, you, if you need something just to put on the background this Fourth of July weekend, <laughs> just throw it on there and forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> to distract yourself from fireworks, I guess. Well, because I assume people will be talking over the music, which is <laughs> right where, where it belongs. <laughs> Best album to not listen to this week. We should have that every week. Media Book Podcast. Best album to not listen to. All right. Anyway. Let's and, move on. Yeah. Let's move on and then keep going right into video games. and start video games with new releases. Yes. All right. We have The Legend of Heroes, colon. Trails into Reverie. I swear one of these comes out every two weeks. I know. I swear this was already a thing. With, uh, with uh, To the PS4, PS5, Switch, and PC. Gimmick. 
with the exclamation point, yeah. the special yeah. edition for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. I don't know, it's a special edition. Uh, the, we have two single word names in guilt with a Y. So I assume it's an app. And then Scarf. <laughs> Both of those are for the, uh, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. And lastly, The Valiant for PS5 and Xbox Series X. So basically not a very big release week. Uh, nope. Keep playing Diablo. Keep playing uh, Street Fighter. You're good. <laughs> keep playing um, Tears of the Kingdom. Keep Final playing Fantasy. Final Fantasy. You've got games. There's no <laughs> shortage of games right now. There's no shortage of good games either. Oh, yeah. All right. But there's no shortage of game news. No. So much news that we have to combine them all down into the bits. The bits. The bits. And we start with Ubisoft. And U- apparently Ubisoft. 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 And there are some rumors and rumblings going around that the fourth game in the series, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, will be getting a remake. Yeah. Or at least an up remastered version for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Yeah, unclear. Uh, this is uh, reportedly, it has not necessarily been confirmed yet, but seeing Ubisoft's track record, it makes some sense. Also, uh, Black Flag was pretty critically beloved when it came out. It was like one of the last big, huge uh, Assassin's Creed games before they flipped the script with Origins and changed what the series was. It was um, also the one with the really good ship mechanics that yes. they were going to spin off into their own game. It's interesting, though, the timing of this because we could have a, we could be living in a world in which they finally launch Sea of Thi- or not Sea of Thieves, Skull <laughs> and Bones, a game that was inspired by the ship combat from Black Flag at the same time as a remake of Black Flag, which would be hilarious <laughs> for a lot of reasons. It's moments like this where I realize I've been watching this industry for way too long. Um, but yeah, so there you go. It could happen. It maybe won't. I don't know. Who cares? But Assassin's Creed people like this game, and so they'll be happy. Uh, yeah, I mean, the ship combat was one of the best parts about Black Flag. is one of the most inspiring parts, especially for the series that's going. And to get a remake, I mean, like you said, it does track for Ubisoft to say, hey, remember this game? Yeah. We redid it so you can play it in 4K. <laughs> Alright, uh, next bit of news here is, you remember that uh, Lord of the Rings Gollum game? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, that was a game that came out that most people are not playing, oh, yeah. and neither is developer uh, <laughs> Datalik. Right. Because they will be officially ending not only support for the game, but internal development altogether, and will only focus on publishing. Yes, so Datalik was a publisher before they decided to also develop games, so this is not really a change as much as it is, hey, we tried a thing and we're not going to do it again, because you guys all screamed at us and said we were bad at it. Um, So yeah, I think this just makes sense considering the reaction um, that Gollum got. I mean, I would have loved for them to have a redemption, you know, have a second shot, but it looks like they just, eh, let's just focus on our bread and butter, let's do what we know. Um, Yeah. So we'll, but we'll always have Gollum. Well, don't try to tear too much because, as is parody in the video game industry, when one <laughs> studio stops internal development, yes. another one decides, "Hey, 
that would be a good idea for me to get into. You know, doors opening, windows closing, you know, whatever you want to say. Yeah, you got to keep the draft and the um, the flow of the air going through. Yeah, it's summer. You got to cool system. down. Get that ocean breeze coming in. Yep. Uh, none of one likes an ocean breeze, much like Annapurna Interactive, nice. as they will be opening an internal development studio. And its first project is already announced. Blade Runner 2033, colon, Labyrinth. If you're wondering, wait, 2033, uh, that's because this is a prequel to 2049. Yes. that takes place in between the two Blade Runner films uh, and is kind of an action puzzle kind of crime solving kind of thing. Haven't seen any footage of it. Don't really know exactly what it will be except for those vague descriptors. Um, but cool. I trust Annapurna's uh, taste level. They make good stuff. Um, I have... I have. Uh, I'm pretty confident that this will work out for him. Uh, I am weary because when you put 2033, one, yes, I know that's in the future, but two, don't make it in development to the year 2033. <laughs> it seems like the scope of this thing is not that big. Like I said, it's <laughs> kind of a puzzle kind of thing. It's not a big single player. It's not cyberpunk. So I don't think you I don't think you need to worry about that. I think this will be a couple years. All right. Uh let's see here. What else do we have in the music bit? The music bits. Video music. game bits. Music. Uh, yeah, music. Well, you know, it's music to my ears when <laughs> courts and documents get revealed. You skip As was the case when um uh, I'll go back to it. As the <laughs> case with uh, Last of Us Part 2 and Horizon Forbidden West. Yes. As both of those games cost over $200 million. So uh, about these, a couple of stories about documents. This, of course, comes out of the continuing um, de uh, depositions from the Activision Blizzard Microsoft FTC case that was ongoing during last week. Um, I kind of grouped them together. There's not as much to talk about as there was last week, but these did come out of those depositions. So this was a poorly redacted uh, document that was actually dug up because it was included as evidence in this trial. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people were quick to point out, like, that's a lot of money to spend on video games. Like, yes, to be fair, we did know that Sony makes a big deal about the budget of their games. That's the whole reason why they don't want to do day one on... Their, their version of Game Pass kind of approach because they want to make sure if they're spending this much money, they want to make it up as quickly as possible. And then you have some people saying like, actually, these numbers are the low ball amount. There might be a hundred more million more spent on marketing alone, especially right, for development of the game. Just like when they, uh, for movies, when they say how much it costs to produce the film, right. it's not including marketing for it. So you're talking about similar to movies. It's not just enough to make that much of money. You need to make more than that so that you can at least like make a profit instead of just breaking even. Uh, that's the kind of money they're in. They're in Hollywood money at this mm -hmm. point. They're getting very, very close. I saw the numbers come out, uh, come out today. We may talk about this in the movie section. That uh, I don't know if you saw that 329 million number for uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. We're getting close to that in video games, though. Like, that's how we've almost achieved parody, which is <laughs> scary to me. I never thought that would happen. And here we are. Um, so, yeah, uh, no surprise that Sony makes expensive games. But Jesus Christ, something's got to change. Because similar, just like movies, 
if every game has to make a certain amount of mo- like a like a, a astronomic amount of money to break even with its budget, it's the budgets that need to come down. It's just so much money getting thrown into the garbage. Yes, <laughs> you opinion. hear that budgets need to come down, but then you also hear about uh, artists and game designers working double time overtime to meet yes. these deadlines. Both are leadership problems, is what I'm saying. Both are labor issues. Bring the budgets down. Figure out like how to maintain your your staff better. Pay the staff adequately without like blowing up the scope of your game to where every game has to be enormous and every texture has to matter. I'm going to revisit this dis- uh, discussion in the movie section when I talk about what I've watched this week uh, because there's. A lot of parallels with uh, projects happening in movies and projects happening in video games right now. It's a lot of money. A lot of money being used for questionable purposes. <laughs> but we'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, though, there were some other interesting things coming out of this court. Yeah, they also and revealed it's... that uh, Microsoft once considered purchasing Square Enix, Sega, IO Interactive, among other studios. So this all came out of basically internal emails that Microsoft um, showed as evidence um, that basically said, hey, if we had like our choice of who we could grab and become a studio under Microsoft's, uh, under Xbox Studios, here's just a laundry list of who we would go after. This was all in consideration before they ultimately decided to spend the money on Activision Blizzard. Um, so how far in talks these got is still questionable. It doesn't seem like a lot of these were pursued all the way. Square Enix makes sense when you think about their relationship with Sony. It would have been a really good way to kind of like change that style of exclusivity that they typically have with uh, the PlayStation platform, like we're seeing right now with Final Fantasy 16, for example. Mm-hmm. IO would have been interesting because you they had just become independent after being bailed on by IDOS, speaking of Square Enix, and uh, becoming an independent studio. And then uh, Sega especially makes sense, especially if you're Microsoft and you're trying to make a foothold in Japan, especially in the mobile space. Sega makes mobile games, and that's one of the things that Microsoft has constantly mentioned that they were going after when they were looking for acquisitions. Um, so yeah, um, these make sense. But yeah, it doesn't seem like any of them went anywhere. You even had the uh, uh, ownership of Sega quote this week, basically saying like, yeah, no, we were never on the chopping block. We were never going to get bought by Microsoft. That was never a conversation we wanted to have. So It's just internal consideration. Exactly. This was just Microsoft's fantasy draft, essentially, uh, (laughs) that they ended ended up not going through with. They were just like, well, we could spend, you know, money doing this. But ultimately what they decided was, yeah, but Activision. That's the big fish, and that's what they ultimately decided to do. Yep. And lastly, in these court docs, it was revealed that Activision CEO Bobby Kotick says that he, in fact, does indeed regret not releasing Call of Duty games on the Switch. So, yeah, notably, Activision kind of avoided the Switch upon launch and mm-hmm. didn't have a whole lot of their major franchises on the platform. Call of Duty still doesn't show up as a uh, Switch release when new games come out. 
Um, the quote goes on with him saying like, yeah, if we had known it was going to be as successful as it was, we would have been there um, day one on the platform. But at the same time, like the Call of Duty games got so complicated and visually intensive. I don't know how Switch versions would have ended up working as well um, down the line. Like Modern Warfare 2 from a year a year ago, two years ago, uh, that would have been a tough magic trick to pull out on the Switch, I think, in my opinion. And you can't do a cloud version of a game that's intent that relies on quick ping multiplayer. <laughs> um, so as much as they'd love to say this, I don't think I, it would have worked out for them. I don't think you can also do 128 gigabit versions for the Switch. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, the Switch is automatically internal memory is full of with one Call of Duty game on it. <laughs> So yeah, maybe with whatever console the Nintendo puts out next, maybe they'll follow through on this. Also, if Microsoft does end up purchasing Activision, they have already stated that they plan on releasing Call of Duty on Nintendo platforms going forward. So it's kind of a given, I guess, next time around. It's just that they'll skip a generation here. Um, yeah, Kodak... Um, they'll wait probably for the most... Switch 2 then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So this is the, probably the most notable thing he said, but yeah, he took the stand as part of these... Uh, part of these uh, this uh, trial. So, and yeah. lastly, in game development for Microsoft, uh, the game and IP Perfect Dark, um, still over at Microsoft, a reboot continues to uh, see development issues, and ultimately will likely take another two to three years. Yeah. So this didn't come out of the court findings. This was actually IGN reporting. I think it was Rebecca Valentine. Um, over there who basically talked to some people and found out that yeah like it's just been such a disaster fire over there that it's going to take even longer than we thought uh it was why they probably didn't show any new footage at the showcase that they did a couple weeks ago there's just nothing to show it seems like there was um issues with the studio that was built to make this game uh leadership over there just was dropping the ball they brought in um, Crystal Dynamics of Tomb Raider fame uh, to help out with the development. And it seems like how it went was basically Crystal Dynamics just took over the project because <laughs> they were the only ones that knew what they were doing, allegedly. And that's that kind of continuing reset button getting hit uh, is what's kept that thing delayed. Uh, so eventually we'll see it, but it's going to be a while and it might end up being kind of a swan song to the Series X by the end of this <laughs> if it takes that long to come out. So, uh, yeah, we won't see Perfect Dark for a while. All right. And last bit of gaming bits on a sour note we'll end here. Uh, Neantic, you know, those people who do Pokemon Go, well, they're probably going to only do Pokemon <laughs> Go going yeah. forward as yeah. they're looking to lay off about 200 employees and cancel any in-development projects because yeah. focus on Pokemon Go. Focus on Pokemon Go. I think they, that this was ultimately they um, they pulled a, I don't know what the, the metaphor is, a Starbucks. I don't know what it is. They expanded too quickly and they're facing the ramifications for it. Quiznos? Maybe a Quiznos. Yeah, that's what maybe I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, they had announced a lot of projects in a row they had that Harry Potter thing for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, most notably, the Marvel thing they announced is affected by this. That will no longer be released. Um, basically, any other AR mobile game that they had in the in the docket uh, is now getting trashed. 
Um, they just figured, well, hey, we make money on Pokemon Go. Let's focus and make Pokemon Go people happy so that they spend more money on the thing that we already have an existing audience for instead of growing new audiences on other games. It's just streamlining is what it is, but it just sucks that over 200 people are going to lose their jobs because of this. I mean, yeah, but well, as we say here, it's a business, and yeah. when you have Pokemon Go getting you $10 million a day minimum, <laughs> like, this is just your baseline. Yeah, it just sucks. It just sucks. Uh, because, yeah, who knows what that Marvel thing would have been. I don't know. How do you, What would you do in an AR game based on Marvel superheroes? What's your pitch? I mean, you just said it's just AR <laughs> Marvel. You go around um, like your uh, support hero is at this location. Team up with them to stop Hydra. Okay, all right. Team up with them to stop um, the Brotherhood of Mutants. Team up with them to stop Scrolls invasion um, to stop uh, who is it Ronan whatever have big time events like Galactus Thanos stuff like that wow. it, it it get to the point where you'd have a lot of parity between the ARG and Marvel Strike which is the team based version yeah well we'll never see it we'll never see it realized anymore. There, pay me my money. Checks in the mail, right? <laughs> someone, someone can make that. But it won't be Niantic. Anyway, all right. Do you play anything this week? Uh, I got a lot further in um, Final Fantasy, so I think where I ended last time we talked about this was literally right before where the demo uh, started. Mm-hmm. So, got through all of that. Got so far into it. I played a 10-hour marathon. I didn't mean to. Thing and I did. <laughs> That's a lot of video game. It wasn't that long. It was only for about like 9.30 to 5.30. Ooh. I think that's about, not, that's about 10 hours, right? Ish. <laughs> Ish. That was just one day, in addition to like all the other times that I played in between that. Uh, but... To break up those sessions, though, <laughs> I did go back and play a lot of um, Rogue Legacy 2. Okay. Great. It's bite-sized. It's, okay, I want to, like, decompress from the heaviness that is Final Fantasy. Let me do a couple runs. Okay. Now that that's out of my system, <laughs> let me go do something else, eat, take a walk, whatever, come back, more Final Fantasy. So having that Rogue Legacy there in its really, like, bite-sized quick runs is really good palate cleanser to like get me out of like a video game mode. Fair enough. Uh, right. Did you play anything? Uh, more Diablo 4. Um, I was wrong last week when I thought I was wrapping up the campaign. I was dead wrong. Um, yeah. Turns out there are not three acts. There are six folks. Oh. And I'm already at the at the level cap. I'm a 50 and I'm only in, like, I think I'm starting Act 5. So <laughs> I messed up, guys. I messed up. You did too much grinding. I did too much grinding. I did too many side quests. Dude, that's, where I'm at. that's where I'm at with uh, Final Fantasy right now, is that I've <laughs> done all the side quests and keep going back to the main story. Yeah. That, But, like, they keep introducing these uh, legendary hunts. I was like, oh, I'll go kill that. Go there, kill it. <laughs> cool. What's next? Oh, you don't have anything for me. 
All right, I guess I'll go back to the main story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we're just like, we just are, are people, you know, give us a task list and we'll do all of it. We'll do everything. I don't know why, but we do. We just do it. Because uh, that box needs to be checked. <laughs> it does. Damn it. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll continue on with that. I'm actually kind of interested. Uh, oh, by the way, I just I just bought it. Yeah. I canceled my Gamefly and just bought it. Um, so I just own it now. So yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to maybe like trying a new character, um, just seeing how the other classes work. It's, man, I'm just having a blast with that game. It's just so much fun. Uh, but other than that, nothing, nothing really new. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, summers we have everyone's got their summer games now. Yeah. Um, the PlayStation Plus new games come tomorrow, Tuesday. So we'll get take a look at those. We'll see. But for now, let's move into television and let's move into the sports corner. Point, point. Um, I can just point at this this box of Oreos behind me here. It's, that's sports. It's sports. Oreos are sports. Um, this week in sports, the College World Series is over and LSU are your victors. In not a very close game. No. Neither of them. Both two two no swept done. Yep. LSU powerhouse both in baseball and football. Congratulations. But you're still Louisiana, so <laughs> damn. <laughs> damn certain beef with Louisiana on here. <laughs> well, you know, you got Louisiana down there, you got Alabama down there, you got Georgia down there. Just beef with all of the South. Yeah, just all of them. The SEC. <laughs> While we're talking about baseball, let's talk about some professional baseball with the MLB. First up, we had a perfect game, folks, last week. Official, not a technicality. Correct. Yes. If it was, I would have mentioned that. Perfect game. Uh, Domingo German on the New York Yankees. Uh, Herman. 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 Sorry. That's silent A or silent G. Gets you every time. Well, there's supposed to be the accent over the A, too. Well, you typed it. Yes, I Where's type. I'm not going to type an accent. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we type Pokemon, we got to do it too. Yeah. Um, yes, it was against the A's because the A's could just not have a worse season. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so congratulations! I believe that that was the 24th perfect game thrown in the American League of all time. Yep, yep. first one since 2011. Yeah, so it's been quite some time. Um, oh, wow. It's also the first one, first no hitter thrown since Reed Detmers last year. Yes. Uh, so it's been a while since we had a game like that, and hopefully mm-hmm. there'll be more. But uh, congratulations for now. Uh, next up in baseball news, as you know, the All Star break is approaching quickly. We have one more week of games, and then they take a little nap. Oh wait, no, they don't take a nap because All Stars get to play the All Star game, and we now have our starting lineups for each league. The American League, we have Jonah Heim of the, Te- of the Texas Rangers. We have Yandy Diaz for the Tampa Bay Rays. Marcus Simeon for the Rangers. You have a lot of, hear a lot of Rangers names here. <laughs> Josh Jung from the Rangers. Corey Seager from the, you know, Rangers. Mike Trout from the Angels. Randy Arozarena from the Rays, Aaron Judge from the Yankees, and Shohei Otani is your designated hitter from In case it wasn't made obvious, the AL West is the bulk of the AL All-Stars. 
Yeah, sucks to be in the best division in baseball, doesn't it? Six Anyways. of the nine. Six of the nine positions. Sucks. Moving on and, to the National League. Wait, starters. and the other ones, the other three are the AL East, the yeah. Rays, and Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's it. Sucks to be the AL Central. <laughs> yeah, it really, really does. The National League starters are Sean Murphy of the Braves, Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers, Luis Arias from the Marlins, Nolan Arenado from the Cardinals, Orlando Arcia from the Braves, a lot of Braves here, Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves, Mookie Betts from the Dodgers, Corbin Carroll from the Diamondbacks, and J.D. Martinez from the Dodgers. Yeah, not uh, a whole lot of yeah representation three, from a lot of teams here. No, yeah, uh, three Dodgers there. Yeah, three Braves there. Once again, the West and yeah. the East. Um, and yeah, no AL Central or NL Central. Yeah, right. Yeah, the uh, St. Louis. No, Nolan Ariando Arnado is the sole, the the lone man from the Central. Yes. Um, might as well mention, this is a good opportunity to mention that, uh, hey, if you've been keeping track of Shohei Otani's season, um, he's had a stellar June. Uh, he had the most homers in one month in Angels franchise history this month, uh, or this past month, uh, with 15, I believe, by the end of it. Just an incredible run. Uh, he is now still the league leader with 30 homers. To his season, or 31 as of last night, or 32, I forget. He keeps going, mm-hmm. and apparently he's already outpacing Aaron Judge's pace last season in his MVP season. So, yep. hmm, I wonder how that MVP vote is going to go this year. He's also four points off of the batting average for yeah. the Triple Crown title. Oh, yeah, and also he pitched, like, the last three pitching appearances, he's struck out more than 10 batters. Each. Each. Not total. Each. Yeah. Well, I feel like I don't even need to say that. It's <laughs> got to be the higher end when we're talking about a Shohei Otani. And so, yeah, I don't need to surprise you. He will also be pitching in the All-Star game. <laughs> yes, he may even be starting. Yeah, who knows? And once again, we'll have starting pitcher Shohei Otani and leadoff batter Shohei Otani. I mean, the man, you can't get better than that. Like, he's just, he's showing over and over again that we're witnessing, like, talent we've never seen before yes it is um one thing to note though that uh the all-star game will be in seattle yes this year where's the honorary seattle starter where is he not here um i believe it is required that it's somewhere in this game there has to be at least one mariner uh so he's in here somewhere i think he's pitching Lewis, relief yeah louis yes. castillo he'll pitch relief so he'll probably get the ninth Right, yes. Coming to close. Their, their ace, at least, is in the game, so that's, yes. that's something. Um, yeah, yeah, looking forward to All-Star Game. Uh, no word about the uh, competitors in the Home Run Derby yet. I feel like we would have heard that now, but I haven't seen anything. Mm, I don't think I've seen it either. So maybe we'll know um, before next show, but we'll see. Anyway. Um, let me do it real quick here. Oh, we do have names. Okay. Uh, Adley Rushman from the Orioles mm-hmm. in his first debut. The Polar Bear himself and back-to-back title winners, Pete Alonzo, will competing uh-huh. in his fourth derby. Uh, the Rays, Randy Arozarena, 
right? Um, already all star uh, mm-hmm. for starting for Tampa Bay. Dodgers Mookie Betts makes sense. Makes sense. Um, once again, competing and putting on a show <laughs> with his record-setting forty home runs from last year and didn't win. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, <laughs> that is your hometown Mariners yep. um, edition. Yep. And that is your, um, those, those are your uh, hitters. Anybody who's asking where's Otani, I have one answer for you. We can't afford for him to lose his swing. <laughs> I'm sorry. As much as I would love to see it, everybody would love to see it. I'm sorry if he does it. And then he comes back after the break and he can't hit a ball. It's you. I'm blaming all of you. So, so far, those are only six. Six of the eight. So there will at least be two more. Could be Otani. I kind of, I kind of hope not. I I hope not. But uh, those are, yeah. Two more. be a party pooper. Every party needs a pooper. That's why they invited you. It's true. Anyways, enough baseball talk. We'll talk more about baseball, I'm sure, next week when we're in the midst of all-star fever. Um, well, but yeah, next week, we will, when we record on Tuesday, we will know yes. uh, who will win the Cobra Derby. Right. Look forward to that. But in the meantime, let's talk about other sports. We have a couple of other stories here. Um, Connor Bedard drafted number one overall pick by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL draft. The last time the Chicago Blackhawks chose the number one pick overall, uh, some dude named Patrick Kane. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, he, he may have had a career at some point. Maybe for them. Maybe. And uh, meanwhile, in football, the NFL has suspended four players for violating the league's gambling policy. This is, I believe, uh, a follow-up to a story we've reported on. Yes. Um, this is them basically doubling down from the suspensions that they threw in last year of players, actually two years ago, because they were suspended last year, of players gambling. You can't gamble while you're in the NFL, especially okay. on NFL games. I think three of the four players were a part of the Indianapolis Colts, and those players have since been released. <laughs> Damn. You hate to see it. So... At least there's some sort of punishment happening. At least that there's some sort of actual enforcement of the rules here. (laughs) Meanwhile, in not-so-professional football, the USFL is wrapping up. We have our final game. Uh, We have our finals. Finals. Yes, that was this past weekend. Pittsburgh Maulers and the Birmingham Stallions faced each other, and your winner was... The Birmingham Stallions, 28-12. to Sorry, I need to add this edit here. The two-time defending yes. champions. And as they go back-to-back back in the two years the USFL has existed. Well, there you go. The undefeated Birmingham Stallions. They're the only ones who have won the title in the USFL in this current iteration of it. Right. Everyone else just has a spot where they will eventually put a trophy case <laughs> do they three-peat next year i don't see why not <laughs> <laughs> nothing is proven to me otherwise so <laughs> do this all again 
Anyway, all right, that's it for sports, unless you have something to add before we move on. Uh, Yeah, um, just the stat okay. of the quarterback, Alex <laughs> Magoo. Magoo? For, yes, for the uh, Stallions. 243 yards, that's all he needed, which is really, really low, considering, yeah. like, a good game, a great game for an NFL is 300. A good <laughs> game is 250 passing yards, and he threw yeah. for 243 in the finals. Still won. But also had four touchdowns, so yeah, that helps. Turns out yeah, that kind of helps there. All right, enough about uh, sports. Yep. Except our first story in television is actually about sports in a roundabout way. Sports entertainment. E S P N. Speaking of sports entertainment, yes, Money in the Bank was this past weekend. Uh huh. The bloodline is no more. Roman Reigns got pinned, but it was in London, so does it really count? No. You're just shaking your head. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. But yeah, that, that will continue <laughs> into SummerSlam at the in August. Well, look forward to that. In the meantime, also on television is a channel called ESPN. It is typically where you go for sports news. Um, but uh, it might be a little more difficult than it used to be. ESPN is letting go of 20 of their on-air personalities, including two familiar names to NBA viewers, game analyst Jeff Van Gundy, and studio co-host Jalen Rose. Kayshawn Johnson, a former NFL player who had co-hosted ESPN Radio's national morning show for 16 years, is also among those leaving. Also out is Max Kellerman, who was Kayshawn's co-host, Susie Kolber, a 27-year-old vet, or not year old, sorry, 27-year veteran of ESPN, Chris Chelios, 10-year NHL analyst, Rob Minkovich, a five-year NFL analyst, and Neil Everett, a 23-year Sports Center anchor. Here's the quote. Given the current environment, ESPN has determined it necessary to identify some additional cost savings in the area of public-facing commentary, commentator salaries, and that process has begun. That's according to ESPN in a statement. ESPN has been navigating a dramatic shift in its economic foundation due to ongoing cord cutting. After peaking at about 100 million households a decade ago, the network reported reaching 74 million homes last year in 2022. And I remember for a while we were reporting almost every week about stories about ESPN being concerned that they were hemorrhaging viewers. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of just goes to show you that this is one of the things they're going to do finally to change that. All that big game that they had talked about, how like they were going to focus on streaming and ESPN Plus was going to be the future. None of that has panned out. It seems like that they're still like, we don't want to change the cable agreements we have, but we have to cut costs somewhere. And so this is what they've decided to do. Yeah. And $25 million loss in viewership over the past 10 years since 2012 or beginning in the 2010s. That's a lot. Uh, no matter which way you slice it, even if you do try and yeah. add on ESPN Plus on top of that, that's $25 million a year. Or not a year. It's $25 million gone over the course of 10 years. $2 million a year, roughly. That being said, though, if you come to, you know, the same person to get their analysis and their version of calling a game or delivering you news, it's very jarring and very disappointing to come in and not see that person there anymore. This is probably going to lead to a lot of people having their uh, responsibilities doubled or tripled up, potentially, 
a lot of people are probably going to be used in multiple situations when you had before specialists in these different roles. Uh, you're not going to see that. Well, it's twofold. It's both that you're not going to see the familiar faces, but also you're going to see a bunch of new faces, probably some people who were part of the ESPN college rotation yeah. getting the call up because <laughs> salaries, they don't have to pay them. They pay yeah. them um, in the newcomer fee and not this established fee. So yeah. I don't know. Sucks. I don't love it. I don't like it. I don't know where but... they're going to go. Um, there are these specific branded sports networks that they go to. There's also CBS, NBC. They still even have their sports division anymore. <laughs> yeah, whatever remains of it. Yeah, um, but like uh, yeah. CBS and Fox would probably be the next the, the next two that they would probably jump to. Well, we'll see, and we uh, hope that they all find their feet. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our second story. Speaking of finding feet, uh, we're going to have to wait a little longer to find out about SAG-AFTRA's feet and whether they'll get tired by standing on a picket line. Because no. we're not reached a decision yet. Yes, this I week... was promised a decision. Sorry. I was promised this would end on June 30th. Sorry, SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP this week agreed to extend their current film and TV contract dispute or di- discussions, I guess you could say. It's not a dispute quite yet. Um, until July 12th to allow bargaining on a new deal to continue. The current contract has been set to expire Friday at midnight Pacific time, after which it would have likely meant a second major Hollywood guild would be on strike against the studios. The extension now is only 10 working days, but comes amid a looming 4th of July holiday tomorrow. Uh, when most of the town typically shutters for a stretch of time anyways. An insider said this evening, quote, or that evening when this was written. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, they'll probably be talking a bit over the weekend, but they really won't go back to the table until after the holiday. Makes sense. End quote. Under that scenario, that gives the sides an additional week to try and make a deal, though a deal or a strike could come at any time before that deadline, if ultimately something doesn't give. Um, so yeah, uh, we watch, oh, uh, strike watch is back on at least until the 12th. Um, or maybe they make a deal. Who knows? So because they extended it, um, uh, two weeks, 10 days, uh, it does feel like they are closer to a deal than the writers are. Yeah. Otherwise there'd be no reason to extend it those two days. Right. They would have already said say, no. Yeah. Uh, otherwise they would just say, yeah, okay, well, like we'll strike during 4th of July. Uh, it could be that SAG wanted like wanted to not take away from the holiday, even though it's on a Tuesday. But uh, who knows I don't know what they're gonna do? Who knows what they're gonna do? Yeah, ultimately next time, I guess we'll be able to talk about what has happened. Because that's what we said last time. We should know by yeah by the next time we record. Well, maybe not actually. No, uh, we no, record we the day before the final day. So unless an early decision is made, we won't know. So we'll figure it out. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they get what they have uh, bargained for, or else, yes, we will see a strike. Yeah, the twelfth is a Wednesday. Just so everyone's aware. Yeah, well, we'll find out what happens. Yeah. In the meantime, you've been watching some television. Yes. What do we uh, want to start with here? I've talked about this before, um, but the Righteous Gemstones season three is back it actually premiered the week after succession ended but then again the isle also premiered that week so we're talking about that instead right uh but they're back um 
the religious comedy take on what's basically succession. <laughs> uh is back with Danny McBride in the lead role. And it is once again just completely ridiculous. This is what succession is or should have been, <laughs> except it's a comedy. Right. It's just a family, a just dysfunctional family that tries to keep face for everyone, but behind the scenes they're just all terrible people. <laughs> and I'm here for it because unlike succession, they're not playing it straight. I mean they are playing it straight, but in the show. The characters just take themselves are so full so seriously, but then also realize just how much of a fool they are that you're allowed, not really allowed, but like it's more comfortable to laugh at them and with them with everything that they do. Yeah. Uh, so Dan McBride, once again, creator of the show, you're knocking it out of the park. Congratulations. Enjoying season three. <laughs> cool great and so that just start that's in the middle of it has is it wrapped no, up four, yet, no, or? no just four episodes into it okay uh but um as with the previous two seasons they're still much like succession trying to find who will replace their father as the head of the church and hmm. just the ch- childish bickering is hilarious <laughs> to watch which is why i laughed at succession and not like feared for it right it yeah you didn't actually good. care about the fate of those people Right. Right. Speaking of caring. And, yes. Uh show that I mentioned last time we were podcasting, as it just premiered and I didn't get a chance to watch all of it, The Bear. Yeah, tell me about two. Tell me about food and tell me about cousins. Cousins? Oh, God. Okay. Episode six. Completely breaks away from The Bear from, like, the current day and just goes back in time to Christmas about 10 years prior. But it is their longest episode. It is also their heavy cast-filled episode. It's also the one that's going to win them the Emmy. I swear (laughs) it this year. I swear, I swear, I swear it. That one or the finale. You're calling it. You're calling your shot right now. I'm calling it right now. Get it out there. Uh, Just the chaos of that single episode. Just the constant sound mixing. The weaving of the different storylines it's just nothing is ever settled in that episode but you get so much information and so much interaction with all the characters that it just flushes everybody out yes it is the longest thing that they've done in like an hour 15 i want to say for just a single episode but it helps build on what came the five episodes that came before it and the four episode finales or final final four episodes that came after it it is that single episode is a work of art i loved everything about it i love the tension that it built up and just the payoff at the end of the season and that's ultimately what this season is the bear season two it's all it's not about the one thing not about the one big thing. It's about all the little things that all the little, all the characters do. It's mm-hmm. continuing to support someone or continuing to put things off and how the little things that you do over the course of the season, over the course of trying to get a restaurant open, ultimately affect the outcome. It's honestly, it's just like a recipe to a good like good meal, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the little components, it's the individual ingredients that add up to the delicious taste. It's the little seeds that you see 
and you see, and they call them out in, in between each episode. And you're like, okay, like I'm making note, I'm making note, I'm making note. Oh God, now do you not make note? What are you doing here? And by the time you get to the end, it's like, well, there it is. You did this to yourself, both <laughs> the good that you did to yourself and the bad that you did to yourself. It all just culminates really nicely. A well put together season. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Cool. Give it more Emmys. Love it. So if I remember correctly, this was your favorite show last year too. So do you think it's gonna It was my favorite serialized show last year? Yes, correct. So is it, do you think it's gonna top your list again this year? Uh depends because we we have the after party coming next week. We do. Season two. We also had Poker Face this week, uh, this this year. Earlier so. this year, yes. Mm, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I'm starting to fill out my five though. I'm starting to fill out my top five though. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. We, we could be surprised by something out of left field. Who knows? Yes. All right, Bachelorette number one. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, unless you want to talk about anything else. Uh, the final episodes of Pokemon Journeys is up on Netflix, the English version. So Wait. if you've been waiting. Which yes. ones, though? Is it still the end of the competition or the wrap-up episodes with Ash so saying the goodbye the end of everybody? the competition. It's not the wrap-up. So not the ones it's I've been waiting the for. Okay. No, it's not the I'm epilogue wait- that you've been waiting for. Then I'm still not still not down. But if you the... care about the tournament arc, then yes. Yes, the tournament <laughs> arc officially wraps up. That is available on Netflix in English to watch. Yes. Correct. If you haven't been spoiled somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that is available on Netflix and very soon. Yeah, those final 10 episodes or 11 episodes uh, should be coming end of the year, I want to say. They usually do it in like two months chunks. Yeah, I think so. So soon. Yep. All right. With that, then, let's move on into can- some cancellations and some renewals for y'all. What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching the CBS reboot of Magnum P.I. as they pulled the plug after five seasons of that. Bring it back to the mainland. You gotta get your mustaches somewhere else. Sorry. <laughs> Breeders on FX will end after four seasons. The other two on Max will end after three seasons. Reservation Dogs on FX and Hulu will end after its third season. Oh, man, I didn't know this. Single Drunk Female ends after its second season. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Announced this week after you were praising it. I'm not going to get a third season? Come on. You're going uh, somewhere. Well, watch it go to Hulu eventually. Fingers crossed. Somebody pick that up. Pick it up, please. Well, um, I don't know. You can't, you can't write for it yet. Sorry. Uh, the Watchful Eye canceled after one season on Freeform. Hi, Desert. Hi, Desert. Cancel after one season on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, the one thing coming back this week is from on MGM+. Plus. It'll be given a third season. Yep, that's from. It, just from. I can't believe we've, over the last few years, we've had shows called From, C, and You. This means nothing. None of these mean anything. Any more uh, helping verbs? <laughs> That's all we got so far. All right. Got, uh, unfortunately, we do have a few deaths to get to this week. Let me put the, the sad face up. Deaths this week. We have Bobby Osborne, age 91, was a bluegrass musician with, you guessed it, the Osborne Brothers. 
famous, famous yes, band, yes. the Osmore Brothers. We have Ryan Mallett, age 35. Oof, that's young. A football player for the Patriots and the Texans. He was drafted originally to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Drafted back in 2011, was their highest drafted QB since, um, only to eventually be succeeded by uh, the good-looking Italian man himself. Mm, yes. Well, R.I.P. That's a that's brutal. That's brutally young. Uh, do you? I don't want to get yeah, macabre uh, here, but do you know what happened? Drowned. Ooh, yikes! Tides, tide, tide took him out to sea. Careful, careful in those waters, especially over the holiday weekend, people. Careful. Yep. Anyways, uh, lastly, uh, ho a Hollywood legend, Alan Arkin, age 89. Actor, was in Little Miss Sunshine, Argo, won an Oscar in 2006. Yep. Um, um, yeah. Famous, famous actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of classic roles. I hadn't seen Little Miss Sunshine until like late last year. I had missed mm -hmm. it completely. Um, man, still holds up. Great movie. And yeah, he's he's amazing in it. He's like... Yes. One of the best parts of that movie, and a Isn't huge plot. Is that the Oscars that he won? Is okay. that the one he won for? Oh, six? I want to say so. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, that'll do it for deaths. Uh, let's move into movies. Speaking of movies, with and we always start that with the weekend box office numbers. Uh, so there's two here. Uh, oh, okay. Because because we went through two uh, weeks. Yeah, but from now on, we'll only be reporting on the one that just happened. Yes. We're just, this is a stopgap measure. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, you can go to this past week, but stopgap um, because nothing really came out the previous yeah. week. Well, sorry, okay. No Hard Feelings came out to 15 million, but only was the fourth. Otherwise, yeah. Spider-Man Across uh, Spider-Verse did get jumped back up to the number one seat with 19 million the previous week right but for our purposes let's just move to this past weekend where you had indiana jones and the dial of destiny premiere to a slightly disappointing 60 million dollars only slightly disappointing when you consider the massive budget that we mentioned earlier mm -hmm. um number two spider-man across the spider-verse with another 11 million dollars i was about eh, 15 of that <laughs> number three elemental with $11 million, actually moving up from the previous weekend. I saw that word of mouth actually did that movie some good. So uh, that is now at $88 million domestic. Number four, No Hard Feelings, $7.5 million, adding to a $29 million total. And number five, wrapping up your top five here, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, with only $7 million. That's at $136 uh, domestic. Want to mention here in number six, your other debut this week, DreamWorks' Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken only made $5.2 million. And it sounds like they're already cranking up the digital uh, release for that thing to later this month, uh, the 18th specifically. So you don't have to wait very long to see that one in, at home. It looks like they just completely called the, the actual release a wash. Yep. Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken. Exactly. Need that that Twitter account that makes everything that fits into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> yes. song into the Turtles logo. Yeah, I'm sure they did it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's 
talk about new releases for this coming Friday. No more of this being confused about what just came out and what's actually <laughs> coming out. We're doing this in the middle of the week now so we can do the next Friday. So this week, we have a double dose of genre films here. We have Insidious, The Red Door. Um, so get your horror on. And Joyride. Um, that is, I think, for the producers of Crazy Rich Asians. It's a coming of age. Let me find my birth parents. Yeah. I want to say they're going to somewhere in China. Sounds right. Thailand, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of one of those movies. One of those movies, he says. <laughs> <laughs> a building, a building's Roman, right? If you want to be really fancy with our film degrees. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to movie news. Our first movie, our movie news bit is about the new Superman. We have a new Superman amongst us, folks. So while the SAG-AFTRA is not on strike. People can still be cast in things. Turns out, yes. So, Superman Legacy's cast has been announced, at least our big stars. Superman will be played by David Cornswet. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Because it sounds terrible. Uh, Cornswet? Cornswet. It either yeah. sounds like you're saying, my Cornswet, or it sounds like Corin is sweating. Like someone named Corin and their sweat. Yeah, either Corin way, it's wet. not... It doesn't have a good mouthfeel to it, unfortunately, for uh, David. Would you prefer his middle name? Picard? Is his middle name really Picard? It's Pac yeah, Packard or pa Packard? P-A-C-K-A-R-D. Packard. Oh, that doesn't help. This, none of this helps. This is whatever. David. Uh, I guess previously he's been in Pearl and the Politician. He has been set to play Superman while Marvelous Mrs. Maisel herself, Rachel Brosnahan, will be on board to play Lois Lane. This, of course, is James Gunn's uh, new Superman film and the film that hits reset on the DC universe. With two roles now locked up, Gunn will now look to fill the shoes of the arch nemesis, Lex Luthor, as well as other supporting characters like good old Jimmy Olsen. So, uh, we'll always see. appearing Jimmy Olsen. So, yeah. Pete um, Davidson. As Jimmy Olsen or Lex <laughs> Luthor? Both. <laughs> Actually, that's, good. that's a good question. <laughs> Somehow. Neither really work, but... Somehow, I believe you do Lex Luthor. Just put, like, you add the extra bags under his eyes. Shave his head. Good... Yeah. Shave his villain. <laughs> Leave the tattoos. Yeah, <laughs> everything else is fine. <laughs> Just to have him basically improv, and you got it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about this? Do you know anything about this Davis Cornsweet, or is it pretty much uh, kind of a nobody? Pretty much a shot in the dark. The one... Uh tweet that was circling when it was announced was him saying that he'd love to play Superman. This was four years ago. Wow, what do you know? He tweeted it. Speaking of calling your shots, the man was Babe Ruth yep. but, with, uh, but with casting. Yeah, but apparently he was like literally the shortlist. Uh, and then Rachel Bronze, Bronahan, uh was one of two. And they actually did uh, some test screenings with full makeup and costume. Hmm. And that's how they got the roles. Cool. So congratulations. I think it's also the um, the biggest disparity in height with David Corsett being 6'4 and Richard Bronson being 5'3. All right. That'll so be fun to watch. Get your tall, tall, get tall your... to red. 
apple get your apple crates to have have her stand on i think is what actually happened borrow them from mission impossible said i mean tom cruise uses them all the time let's move on to our second story here sorry i had to get a dig in uh comic-con is coming up but it's not going to be like your typical comic-con this year because of all sorts of things a number of the major studios have decided against having a presence at the fan fest which is scheduled to kick off in san diego on july 19th deadline has confirmed that universal pictures marvel studios lucasfilm sony pictures and netflix are among those companies not planning to attend in a major way Given this uncertainty, the studios decided against planning a major presence in case the actors, as well as the writers, are unwilling to attend. Like, maybe they might, you know, be busy holding a sign. Oh, they'll something. attend. They'll just be outside. Right. They'll just out, out there. <laughs> it is the latest blow for Comic-Con, which was forced to cancel its main event back in 2020 and 2021 as a result, of course, of COVID-19. Missing from Disney, Haunted Mansion, The Marvels, and Ahsoka, from Universal Pictures, The Exorcist, and The Last Voyage of, of, De, of the Demeter. And from Netflix, Stranger Things, and The Three-Body Problem. So, as a Comic-Con expert, does this mean that the comics are back in charge of Comic-Con this year? This means that the news coming out of Hall H will be crickets. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Wait, crickets? So, is, but... is that a superhero I don't know about? Is that a big movie that the, the Fox... Or Fox... Uh, it's a yellow cricket. <laughs> the yellow um, cricket. So, while the DGA has made its contract solidified and signed, yes. directors of these projects can show up and talk about their projects. By themselves. But that's it. Yes, <laughs> by themselves. They can't have any producers. They can't have any actors. can't have any writers up with them. So it would have just been the directors talking about their projects. And no one With wants studio to see heads. that. It's just director of the studio head saying what's expected to come. But we can tell you who we've signed. We just can't have them here. And maybe we can't tell you that they've signed because when the contract for SAG and AFTRA go out, maybe they drop for the project as well. Right. We'll find out. But yeah, so don't hold your breath for big news coming out of Comic-Con unless you're, you know, you actually care about the comics. Because that's probably what you'll hear. Yes, all the panels will be filled with actual comic book news. So it's almost like a throwback in a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, something actually kind of nice about that. Speaking <laughs> of kind of nice, I watched two movies this week. Not one, but Not two. Not one, but two. One in an actual gosh dang theater. Uh, so yeah, I'll do that one first because I'm not going to go too long on it. Um, I saw Spider-Man. You finally saw Spider-Man? Finally saw Spider-Man. Um, I mostly agree with everything you had said on the show, and I say mostly because while I agree that, yes, it is a visual feast, just like there are so many creative, so much creative animation happening here, the effects are wild, the things that they accomplish with the form of animation are like nothing else that I've seen nothing else that's probably been on a theater screen before they are they continue to raise the bar with what's possible with animation and there's no way around it like that's awesome and i'm glad that it's happening um story wise i do think they nailed it with the storytelling here uh both propelling the story in an interesting direction as well as getting those intimate moments with family stuff with character moments like 
that stuff without skipping over it, without like just focusing on the action. There's a good balance, I think, in this film uh, with getting that emotional storytelling at the same time as you're getting the big, expansive comic book lore storytelling. Um, I still think I prefer the first one. Um, I think the first one has a little better of that balance. I think it nails that balance. Also, for some reason, this may just be me, I felt like the action sequences in the first one were just a little bit more readable. I think the second one, they try so much and throw so much at you in some of these set pieces that I was like, wait, where am I here? Like, I couldn't really find my, like, like my anchor in a lot of these because the set pieces were just so enormous. You're talking about the big spider chase. It's that one and earlier in, well, actually, yeah, I guess that is the same kind of extended set piece. It's just chaos in a lot of cases. And it can be sometimes overwhelming and overstimulating. And if I felt that way, I'm sure that there's a lot of other people who probably would be like, oh boy, that was wild. I don't really know what happened though. Yeah, yeah, those... I, I consider them back to back in one chase because yeah, there is yeah. the the single respite right in the middle with Peter B. Parker. Mm-hmm. But yes. other than that, they mm-hmm. are big chase next to big chase on the train. Yeah, it, it's a lot. And um, I think that's the thing that's keeping me from being like, it was the best thing I've ever seen, you know, like so many people. It's not the best thing I've ever seen. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good middle chapter in this trilogy. Um, I am very curious about what they end up doing with the third. Um, trying to dodge a minor spoiler here, the setup at the very, very end implies that we are going to return to a little bit of basics uh, for the third one, at least mm-hmm. getting a lot of the familiar faces from the first movie uh, back yes. um, is gonna is an interesting angle to take this. But I don't think adding people was what I was wanted really after this movie, where there were so many characters on screen at every moment. So, I don't know. I'm curious to see how they wrap this story up and what direction they'll ultimately take. I like the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the it gives them a really interesting opportunity to really delve into Miles' character and the options that he has in life. Um, again, trying to avoid spoilers. Um, and I do have to say, of all the storytelling right now that we have with multiverses, this is still the franchise that's doing it the best. I still, yeah. I even prefer it to everything all, everywhere all once as approach to this, because I think the interesting thing about Spider-Man storytelling is that they're really focusing on, like I said, that element of choice, that element of you could have done this, you didn't do this, maybe an alternate universe, this version of you did do this, what would life be like if you didn't do this? These comparisons are a lot more interesting in the context of this story for me, specifically than I think other versions of the same kind of setup. Um, and so, yeah, having all of that kind of thrown at you and in this kind of unique style is really cool. And it makes me happy about the state of animation right now. Um, we should probably talk briefly about the stuff that came out about the animators. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about this last week and I wanted to kind of mention it here. Um, so for context, um, some people came out, I believe, animators from not Sony's U.S. animation studio, but the effects animation studios that's based in Canada uh, about working long hours on across Spider-Verse, uh, basically saying that they were overworked and tired and 
it didn't really paint a good look on um, the overall project. Um, since then, you've had a lot of commentary, even from inside Sony. Uh, Amy Pascal, right? The producer? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah. Uh, she made a statement about how, like, just, like, how it was important to make the product as good as it was, was to, like, make sure that everybody was doing their best and kind of reiterating that studio point about, like, that we've heard, again, or I said I was going to mention this when I talked about this earlier, video game studios, we've heard a lot of very similar, especially Naughty Dog with The Last of Us games, we've heard similar arguments about, like, well, our bar of quality is just so dang high that we that everybody has to give you know give their 110% to this project and that's why we keep that bar eyes because we want the best possible thing um i think the most interesting tidbit that came out of, of this all this discussion is um about phil lord and his uh, his uh, temperament i guess you could say in the uh, producing chair i want to note he didn't technically direct this movie animation has a lot of directors and Phil Lord, I have a guess, was kind of a constant uh, force, I guess you could say, in the creative in the creative process of this. And there were apparently a lot of situations in which animation was done, and he wanted to change something, and they had to start over. Which is not a great environment to be in if you are an animator and you had something done, and you were like, "Cool, let's move on." So. It just it makes like I said earlier, just the parallels to the video game industry are are very clear here. I think the worry is is that the bar getting moved further and further up, I think endangers the labor in a way that we maybe didn't anticipate. The more elaborate that these movies get, Unless leadership is mindful about making sure that the people doing the hard work are given breaks or given time and given balance between their life and like life and their work, the more at risk they are to lose those things. And I think this is an example of, yeah, it's great to have nice things. It's great that this movie looks as good as it is. It's impressive. The fact that it exists is kind of a miracle. But at what cost? is maybe a question we need to start asking ourselves because it is a fact that you can have something great that looks amazing without having stories like this come out with by spreading it out. Maybe delay it a little longer. Maybe don't make one board member happy to give these people a freaking break. It was delayed though. Yeah. It was supposed to come out in April of last year and then pushed to October and then pushed again to June of this year. Yeah. So there, I have seen that aspect of it, is that mm-hmm. with the upcoming um, Beyond the Spider-Verse scheduled to come out in a year, yeah, that a lot of the same animators are coming out and saying that even they don't think it's going to make no. that one-year deadline. No, I doubt it will. And um, I just, yeah, I just wanted to kind of say, like, like, I think my worry is, is that the scope of these projects is so ambitious. But where is that ambition coming from? It's coming from idea people. It's coming from people who are like, yeah, it'd be great if this looked like this. Go do it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm not saying that Phil Lord and Chris Miller don't know what they're talking about because they you know, started in the animation industry. They know what this is. Um, they know the kind of work that goes into this thing. I'm just worried that if you get an Oscar and all of, that all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. 
how much bigger can we get? How much better can we get? And the scope, you can't let the scope outpace the labor. And that's my worry. So with that said, uh, I watched a movie that is both a, I also watched a movie that is both a, a example of maybe a scaled down, what scaled down labor can do. And also the dangers of your studio not being behind you. <laughs> so we had reported on this before, uh, but Nomona, now available on Netflix and a former project of Blue Sky Studios, RIP, is finally out for the world to see. And uh, there was a hot moment where there, where everybody thought this thing was dead. But the good news is it survived. In case you missed the context here, um, Blue Sky was working on Nimona is an adaptation of a graphic novel uh, written by the creator, or I guess the creative creator, because it was based on existing property, uh, She-Ra, um, which was a DreamWorks animation television series uh, for Netflix, I believe. Um, this was their project, um, that, an ad adaptation of their graphic novel. Um, it was originally going to be, uh, a project with Blue Sky Studios, most famous for the Ice Age movies. They got bought in the Disney purchase of Fox. Disney then proceeded to delay the Nimona release for two whole years. They skipped 2020, they skipped 2021. And then ultimately at the end of 2021, as we've reported, they shut down Blue Sky Studios. Uh, they just decided that they just weren't willing to have another animation studio under their under their umbrella when they already have Pixar and they already have their internal animation studios. Um, so yeah, a lot of people were naturally disappointed by this because the thing about Nimona, and this was widely reported in its development, is that it as prominently it prominently features a gay relationship and is in itself a metaphor for the gay and or trans experience and i think that scared the pants off of disney that seems to be the story was is one of the reasons why they kept delaying it beyond the complications of having another studio on their books um was that they did not have any idea of how they were going to put this as an international release because of the content in the movie. And so thankfully though, the all this horror story has a happy ending. Um it got saved by Annapurna, who has now put out the final uh the final release here for for Netflix. Uh so are you planning on watching this? I'm curious. No, I didn't realize that it was released. Um No, I didn't um uh, I don't think Netflix is the one um like tell me to watch it either <laughs> and that's my worry i'm worried that this thing is going to get buried but i'm going to say something I'm, i i don't know if this is going to surprise you it might be it might be the favorite my favorite thing i've watched all year hmm i thought you tweet that yeah i like it better than spider-man in a lot of ways and i was it surprised me how much i liked it this is this movie is fantastic i think it's an instant classic um, it's extremely heartfelt, it's extremely emotional, but it also has really exciting action. The animation is impressive. It's not Spider-Man. I just want to get this across. When I mentioned mm -hmm. the difference in labor, I did that on purpose. The animation is good. 
I love the facial animation. There's a lot of wonderful takes in this movie. Like there's people obviously put a lot of hard work into this, but it looks closer to something like Arcane, the net the this the series based on the League of Netflix, Legends stuff. Yeah. It's kind of got that cell shaded kind of look where sometimes it looks like it's 2D, but not really. It's like it's fully animated, like 3D animated. But um there are moments where it does trade in like more sparse, undetailed uh environments that so that way it's like a little clearer and cleaner and so at first glance you might be like oh this looks a little cheaper but i think it's a stylistic choice as opposed to being a budget choice but also it's a smaller budget they're working with smaller smaller resources here and you can definitely tell so don't go in thinking that it's going to be a big visual feast on the level of something like spider-man because again that bar is pretty dang high now and you and i feel though the nice thing about animation is there's a spectrum of options stylistic options within that and you don't always have to be the best looking thing in the world but i honestly think that they did a really great job and there's a lot of heart in the way this movie is animated all the characters are really unique especially the the lead character namona um, a lot of impressive uh facial work a lot of personality goes into the animation in this film um, a lot of fun action it's got a really great script um and just like it, it's just a movie that hits at the exact right time too, at a time where we're talking a lot about the dangers that especially trans youth are experiencing right now with, you know, just the deck stacked against them politically and like, especially in states like Florida um, and other states kind of in the South that are just making these draconian measures against them. Um, it's just a really great heartfelt story about no, I'll have to say draconian measures when it takes it's a medieval story. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually an interesting point because at first glance you do it does look like this kind of medieval setting, but it's medieval future in a weird way. There's like there's a lot of like modern technology happening here. It's a real it's an interesting combination of styles. And if you are familiar with um N.D. Stevenson's previous work, uh like She-Ra it kind of continues in that kind of like combination of different kind of influences. Um, Stevenson also uh, notably transitioned uh, over the last handful of years. And so it's a very personal story in that way. Um, and yeah, I, th I was really, really impressed with what ultimately like the, the climax, especially is extremely touching. And I think anybody who uh, I don't know who has, had experiences or knows people who've had these experiences of just a feeling like the world was against you and didn't want you to exist like the story is going to resonate with you and i think it's it's a it's a valuable and extremely timely piece of art right now that i think everybody should see uh 100 recommend uh it's on netflix right now please please i'm begging people to check it out please watch this it is fantastic I mean, it's only 99 minutes. It's so Yeah, it's not it's long. Short, it's, it's, it's not an investment, and it's worth your time. It's worth mm -hmm. your time. It's You you get in, get out. It, the, the jokes are great. The actions, the sequences are impressive. The plot twists you won't see coming. Everything's just... I loved every second of this. All right. Well, I mean, you didn't say so much about it, but he's... <laughs> he's you're saying that's something that everyone should see. Uh, yeah, no, I, absolutely. Uh, I, I think there's something in there for everybody.
Um, that's all I watched. So, um, I have been introducing my doctor slowly to <laughs> Wes Anderson. Okay. She, uh, you saw Spider Man when you were talking I know. about Mona. <laughs> I forgot to put, I did have one. I did have one here. There it is. Oh, shit. Wrong one. <laughs> yep, yep. Talk about Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I had it. There it is. Okay, cool. Mona. Okay, we did it. Alright, you did. You got there. Um, yeah, so because she keeps seeing the trailers for Asteroid City, it's like, yeah. oh, that's a lot of good actors. What is this movie? I think I might like it. It has a lot of good people in it. I'm like, it's Wes Anderson. You don't know Wes Anderson. I don't know if you even like Wes Anderson. <laughs> so I'm slowly introducing her to Wes Anderson films. Yeah. We watched uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I don't know what it was. I don't understand it, but she was visually enthralled with it and was really engaged and like, wow, this is like really good. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. but like, it, sure. But there's other stuff and it gets better. <laughs> so um, probably going to do Moonrise Kingdom next. It's yeah. on uh, Prime Video uh, before going to like Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. And then I still haven't seen uh, The French Connection. Or The French oh, Dispatch. The French Dispatch? Yes. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I had a good time with that one. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen, but so introducing her to Wes Anderson films. Maybe we'll see Asteroid City, but it's um because that's out right now in a wide release. But also, I don't I didn't see where it was at the box office. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's like blowing up. I also don't know if it's like fully wide yet. Right. Um. Yeah, uh, Christy. Is uh, uh, said that she wants that, that to be our next movie too. So maybe next weekend, we're gonna we'll we'll try to see it. I mean, I personally wanted to see Elemental next, but she just seems like she is not as interested in Elemental as I am. It was four million this past weekend, eighteen million total. Okay, so slow, 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 but yeah. maybe it'll make uh, up for it. Still under two thousand theaters, so yeah, still not hit that wide release yet. Or if it did, it went back down. <laughs> Maybe a lot of movies are coming out. They got to clear out for, you know, clear out those Barbie seats. Yep. <laughs> Before uh, Oppenheimer clears it out for them. Right. <laughs> Ooh, it's dark. Anyway. Yeah. Well, cool. Let Anyways, me know, let I me think... know that continue how the continuing Wes Anderson education goes for her. Well, because like there's also Isle of Dogs, which is the same kind of animation style. So. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's something in there. Yeah. I don't know if it's the animation or the way it was like yeah. shot and written. Gotta but... try, yeah, I gotta try a live action one to see how she re reacts next. Yeah, but that's next on our plate. Mm -hmm. And exciting. Next on your plate will be the next episode. Yes, because that will do it for this week's episode. That was a whole lot of stuff, uh, and uh, didn't take us too long to get through it all. all so right. thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday for another episode right here from our Zoom boxes, just like tonight. If you want to catch us, we're on YouTube, search Media Boat Podcast on YouTube and find an archive of these video podcasts. If you'd rather listen to it in audio form, search Media Boat Podcast on any pod catcher of your choice that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, etc. Leave a review. Hey, why not? I don't know if we have a single review on Apple Podcasts. We should check that. <laughs> um to see if we do uh leave a review i believe that helps us uh rise the ranks uh and be noticed by more people so hey give us a shot why not 
You can also be found on social media platforms like Twitter at MediaBoCast. Well, at least for now. Am I right? <laughs> let us be. Let us be one of your 600 tweets you get to see this week. Um, no, daily, I think it is. But in, in fact, I actually think that they moved back that one to 1,000. I think Chrissy was saying <laughs> she heard this morning on the radio. So I don't know what to believe anymore. Anyway. I, I believe he didn't pay his bill. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, that sound, I believe that actually more than the excuse that he gave. Yes. Um, we're also on Facebook, Media Boat Podcast. Search that, find our page. Uh, and twitch.tv slash Media Boat. Find us there for streaming video games. So sorry about the audio issues, I guess, that uh, were happening with my uh, rock band stream. I didn't know until I just watched it play back today. And I was like, oh, shit, no one could hear me. It was <laughs> blipping in and out. Uh, I had no idea. So I'm going to have to figure out the sound setup for when I stream from the Xbox. I hope it's not the headset that I spent money on uh, that I bought specifically for streaming on the Xbox. I hope that's not what it is. Anyway, um, so yeah, look forward to more streams this week. I'm sure you'll be streaming more Final Fantasy. Yep. Um, I think about a good place to start streaming again. Uh, like I said, I did a complete marathon on yesterday on Sunday. Uh, for 10 hours. Maybe I yeah. should have streamed it, but... <laughs> no, no. I'm going to say no. It was a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what I'm going to be streaming this week. I honestly have no idea. Probably no stream tomorrow because of the holiday, though. Yes. So enjoy your July 4th uh, situations if you're here in the U.S. and celebrating. And then uh, lastly, if you want to email us questions, comments, feedback about the show, anything you darn well please, email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail dot com and that'll do it thank you for joining us we'll have more thoughts more news more everything next week on the media boat podcast yep we'll have more of us we'll talk about who wins the home run derby and how our more music um speak now clear swiss version oh yes next week get ready bye yep more news more thoughts and more of us all right bye